Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. We've been talking about community, and we've looked at uh, what community means. We were called into community, called into fellowship, called into to having things in common. And that's obviously something God does when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have fellowship with him because we've been forgiven. Uh, and as a result of that, we have a walk with him. Uh, we have a relationship with him that is now um, solidified. And we can praise the Lord for that. We have, as a result, been called into fellowship with one another. And so really, a community, when it comes to the church is a group of believers that have been called by God into relationship with himself, not on the basis of works, but rather on the basis of what Christ has done for us at the cross. And when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that God comes to live within us and that we are translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We are now part of the family of God. That's amazing. As a result, we're part of a family. And we have relationship with one another. And clearly that community also involves grace. We get to be here. It's a privilege to be here. We can't, we can't take our badges and lift them up and say, look what we did in order to deserve to be here. But rather it's because of grace. It's because of Christ. It's because of his favor towards us with joy that we have the opportunity to fellowship with him and one another. So grace becomes not only what, what God, is, what his interaction with us has been to bring us to the cross, it's also now our interaction with him as we walk from the cross, as we walk as a body of believers. We also have a community of faith. Last week we looked at this and faith, the willingness to be persuaded that what God has said is true, it's absolute, that we're willing to walk with him and follow him in the midst of life. Not only faith in Christ to to be saved, but also now to walk in that faith. The tenets of of doctrine, the scripture, that which we believe about the Lord. And now how we walk with him and that God is constantly working in our lives in order to deepen us in our trust, our belief, our faith in him. This morning I want to look at uh, the community of love. Love. Love's an amazing word, isn't it? We use the word love for everything. We, we love chocolate. Uh, we love Christmas. We love McDonald's and hamburgers. We love the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> you knew that was coming, didn't you? You did know that was coming. See, I'm a faithful Cowboy fan. I know they're out of the playoffs now. That's all right. It's just a pause till next year. <laughs> All right, Chad, come on. <laughs> uh, but we use the word love for everything, right? I love my wife. We just celebrated our uh, 23rd anniversary yesterday, and we're thankful for that, right? <laughs> uh, we love Star Wars. May the force be with you. We use the word love for everything. Well, let's talk about what does it mean to walk in God's love? What is God's love? And when we talk about a community, a body of believers, we're talking about people who are indwelt by Christ and the fact and the reality that God is love. 
And so when we're yielded to the Lord, when we're walking with him by faith and in his grace, when we're being empowered by him, when we're being strengthened by him, when we're yielding to him, when we're dying to self, God's love not only begins to transform us, but also begins to be seen through us. I'm going to start just real briefly with a quote from Spiro Zodiades. Uh, I don't know if you have his dictionary or not. If you ever enjoy looking up words and the differences of them, I would recommend his dictionary. It's just very clear, very detailed. But he says this about love. With reference to God's love, it is God's willful direction toward man. Think with me on it. Willful direction toward man. It's a choice. We're talking about agape love now. We're talking about what God is. We're not talking about emotions or feelings. We're not talking about uh, the, the, you know, warm fuzzies. We're talking about the direction of the will, a choice to be made. He says it involves God doing what he knows is best for man and not necessarily what man desires. For example, John 3.16 states, For God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? Not what man wanted, but what God knew man needed. In other words, his son to bring forgiveness to man. So fundamentally, when we talk about God's love, we're talking about a direction of the will. We're talking about a choice to be made on behalf of another, regardless of what they think is necessary and or what they want, and regardless of what it may cost us in making that decision. Jesus went to the cross Man didn't want Jesus. Jesus died for man. That's love. As believers, we are unconditionally loved by the Lord and commanded to love one another. Isn't that amazing? That God loves us unconditionally? We're so conditional in our love for one another at times, aren't we? If you do this for me, then I feel good about you. And therefore, I will reciprocate what you've done for me, and I'll do something for you. Which, of course, that means that you're now supposed to reciprocate that activity and do something for me. And we'll just love one another. (laughs) No, that's not the kind of love we're talking about. The kind of love we're talking about is sacrificial love. It's God's love. It's a direction of the will. It's not driven by emotion or feeling, and it's certainly not, un, it's not conditional. It's not based upon certain things. It's unconditional. It's based on who God is. So first and foremost, God's very nature, his character, who he is, is love. That's who he is. It's not just what he does. We always tend to think in activity. It's who he is. The activity just reflects his nature. He is love. 1 John 4, verses 7 through 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another. Every one of these words used for love here is the agape form. It has the idea of making a choice, making a decision, a direction of the will. Let us love one another. Why? For love is from God. 
And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, and this is why. For God is love. God is always being love. That's who he is. It's not just something he has to acquire, or it's not just something that he does. It's something that he actually inherently is. His very nature, his very character. 1 John 4.16, later in that chapter, he says, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. This unconditional direction of his will to act on our behalf in spite of the fact that we don't deserve it. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. So first and foremost, to understand about love is that God is love. God's very nature, God's very character is love. He doesn't have to think about it. He doesn't have to try to figure it out in his mind. He doesn't have to create a whole step or checklist of things to do in order to prove it. He is love. And therefore, everything that he does is out of a perfect love. That's amazing. Secondly, God acts in love. Because he is love, we see him act in love all the time. God revealed or showed his love for us by coming to this earth in order to go to the cross. You can take time and read Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and following, all about the humility of Christ, leaving heaven in order to come to this earth in the likeness of man. Now, is he fully human? Absolutely. But what separates him from us? He's sinless. So he came in the likeness of man, similar to us, but profoundly unique. The only begotten of the Father, the one-of-a-kind, unique Son of God. What's one-of-a-kind about him? He had no sin. And as a result, he's able to go to the cross in order to shed his blood so that salvation may be provided for each and every one of us. And when we believe in him for salvation, he is able to forgive. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans chapter 5, 8, right? He says God demonstrates his own love toward us. Think about how profound this choice is. That the Father sent his Son to us to go to the cross to shed his blood so that we might have life. He's demonstrating his love for us that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. It's not just that we were doing some naughty little things over on the side. It's that we were actually hostile towards God. We didn't want anything to do with him. Our flesh is totally antagonized by God's righteousness. And we fight against God with everything. We don't understand him. We don't want anything to do with him. And in that state, God made a decision to send his son so that we could be rescued. Wow, that's love. That is love. 1 John 3.16 says, we know love by this. This is how we know love. That he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. For the family of God. Why? Because if God 
loved us in that way, then we too ought to love others in that way. What way did God love us? Sacrificially. Out of a decision to do what was best for us in spite of what we wanted, thought we needed, and or certainly wanted to even in many cases receive. God loved us. And because he showed us what true love is, that he laid down his life, then we too ought to do that. Well, how does that take place? Well, if it's really true that I know God and God lives in me, if it's really true that I'm abiding in him, that I'm remaining in him, that I'm walking with him, that I'm growing in him, that I'm surrendered and yielded to him, saying yes to him in every area of my life, then guess what? God is the one who lives in me and he will transform me so that his love begins to be seen in and through my life. What a beautiful truth. Thirdly, God's love in and through us is the mark that we are truly his. So God made a decision, sent his son, provided the opportunity for salvation. Why? Because that's his character. That's his nature. That's who he is. And in the midst of that, everything that he does is out of his nature. And we get to see that fact because he went to the cross. And we know love because he went to the cross and laid down his life. So now, as true believers, walking with the Lord, yielded to him in the midst of life and all the different circumstances and relationships, when we say yes to the Lord, then God who lives within us begins to produce his love in and through us. And that is the mark upon us that we are truly the Lord's. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. The Lord says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. How is it that we begin to let other people know fundamentally That we are of God. It is our love for one another. Why? Is it because we just wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to love some. No, it's because we're yielded to Christ. Christ lives within us and his love is transforming us, including our attitudes and activities. And so everything about us begins to be an expression of God's love to all those around us. To the church, to the body of believers, to this fellowship, to this community first and then into the world. Do you realize that the entire law of God is based on love? In Matthew chapter 22, and there's many different references that you can go to on this, verses 37 and following, he says to them, You shall love your, uh, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and prophets. The entire law is based on the idea of sacrificial, agape love. In Romans, as well as Galatians, Paul speaks to this. And he talks about the law. He talks about what it means to walk as a believer and the righteous deeds, the righteous activities, but empowered by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit who lives within us and is constantly transforming us. Romans 13, he says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. 
For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. You want to walk in the fulfillment of the law, we've got to die to self, we've got to learn to say yes to Christ, and Christ himself has to come within us because God is love, and now God begins to transform us, and his love begins to be seen in and through us. In Galatians, he says it this way, the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. God is love, he's revealed his love, and now he lives within us as believers, and in this community of believers, we have the opportunity to experience God as God transforms us and then is made manifest or revealed through us in our love for one another. And that is the fulfillment of God's righteous, good, and holy law. God's love transforms us. He makes it very clear that when we're walking with him and when we're yielded to him, that if we are loving one another, that others will know that we are his disciples. And in Galatians 5.22, because here becomes the question, well, how does this take place? How does this work? Because I, I can tell you that there are times in my lives where I don't really love everybody. <laughs> now, don't look at me like that. If I, if I knew everything about you, I probably wouldn't have showed up today. And, you know, if you knew everything about me, you'd have probably done the same thing. So we're even. Right? The truth of the matter is we all wrestle with this, folks. And anybody that says they don't wrestle with this, take ten steps back because they're lying. There are moments in time where we have very unloving thoughts towards one another. There are moments in time where we don't feel like loving one another. We even act on those feelings at times, those emotions, those thoughts. We get hurt. We get injured. We get stabbed. And I don't know about you, but I find my flesh rising up and I want to punch back. I want to defend myself. I want to defend my character. I want to prove my righteousness. Because how dare anybody else think anything other than what I think about me? Isn't that how we are? Yes, it is. Praise God for grace. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Is love. Do you catch it? It's not the fruit of Eric. It's not the fruit, and you can put your name in there. It's the fruit of the Spirit. When God comes to live within me, and I begin to yield to him, and I begin to walk with him by faith, which is that I'm persuaded that he is able, in spite of my inability, that he loves me unconditionally, in spite of the fact that I don't deserve it, which is grace, that God's direction of will toward me always is for my best. Always, even when I trip and stumble, it's always for my best. Wow. And I begin to be overwhelmed by God's love. And now I begin to walk 
in submission to the Lord. And when I'm walking in the spirit rather than in Eric, in the flesh, then what does he say? The fruit of the spirit is what? Love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? Turn there with me for a moment. By the way, everything else that he lists in Galatians 5.22 is just a clarifier of what love is. But fruit there is singular. So it's love. And it's all the descriptions that come with it. Peace, patience, kindness, joy, etc. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 and following. It's called the love chapter for good reason. It says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. <laughs> I, won't, I won't do this to you, but, you know, it's amazing to, to have noise that just irritates. And that's what he's saying is if, you, if you're doing these things and you don't have love, you're just an irritating noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am what? Nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me what? Nothing. Nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind is not jealous. Love does not brag, is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Wow. And we can move on. There are seven things that Paul writes here that love always is. There are eight things that he writes that love never is. All you engineers out there, check me. (laughs) Love always is patient. You know that word for patient right there? He's referring to specific patience with regard to people. With people. Patient. Love is patient with people. Now, I know that you are perfect and that you never struggle with any of this. But I can pretty much guarantee that there is at least one person in your life that drives you a little batty. And when you see him coming down the hall or you see them at some particular moment in time, that you do a 180-degree turn to get away from them. Love is patient. God's love within us is able to be patient when it comes to others. Is kind. That word kind there, it's not just, well, they're nice. Oh, they're so, oh, they're so nice. It actually means useful. They're helpful. I love that. There's an activity to it. It's not just a philosophy, it's, it's an attitude in action. They're helpful, they're useful. 
rejoices with the truth. He's not just talking about the sky being the color blue. That, that's great. That's wonderful. He's talking about the word of God. When the word of God is proclaimed or taught, there's a rejoicing in it. Because there's an agreement with the word of God. Bears all things. I kind of like the translation. I think it's a little more accurate. Covers all things. Covers How many times does somebody trip and stumble and we immediately take it to whatever group in order to use it to tear them down? And we do it in a very good Christian way. We offer it as a prayer request. God bless so-and-so. They're really having a hard time. No, this idea is cover, cover. It doesn't promote. There's a safety with love. Believes all things. Obviously in this context from God. Hopes all things because of who Christ is. Endures all things. Here now he's speaking of circumstances. Circumstances. Starts out with people. Ends with circumstances in that sense. God in us begins to help us to bear up. To be patient with people. But also to bear up within the circumstances that have been filtered through his hands for us to grow and to experience him in the midst of. You know, so many times we have prayer of, Lord, get me out of this circumstance. Lord, if I would just have this circumstance removed out of my life, then I would be good. And it's the very thing that God's using for us in order to teach us who he is and what he's able to do. Love is never jealous. Envious of others' success. Love never brags, parades itself. Look at me, look what I've done. Love is not arrogant, puffed up, having an attitude that is inflated. It does not act unbecomingly. That word unbecomingly means indecently. It's never an embarrassment to everybody else. It does not seek its own. Doesn't put self first. Now this next one, I don't think it's biblical. It's not provoked, irritated. (laughs) You say irritability. Well, I'm just irritable. That's sin. (laughs) It's not love. You could say you're not irritable all day long, but guess what? That doesn't reflect God's love because love is never provoked. It's never irritable. Oh, doesn't that hurt? Does not take into account a wrong suffered. It doesn't calculate. It doesn't keep a track. Doesn't write it down. Oh, that's the 30th time you've done that to me, daggummit. No, it doesn't do that. Love goes, oh, I love you. You're forgiven. Why? Because love is patient with people. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, those things which are not of God, that are not of the Lord, that are not from him. So a community of love, it's based in Christ because Christ is love. Christ showed us his love by going to the cross, and now we have the opportunity to walk in his love and to experience him and his unconditional, unmerited, undeserved love, but also now to walk in that love for one another. And it's what marks us. It's what marks us as those who are truly of 
the Lord. A community of love provides for safety of value and uniqueness. Everybody here is valuable to God. We're individually unique, but we're all valuable. It provides for transparency. You're safe. It's okay to admit you failed. It's okay to admit that you're struggling with something without worrying about getting slammed for it. Freedom to follow God. Growth in Christ. Maturity. To have our needs met in Christ first and foremost. To offer and to receive forgiveness and have hope. Love provides all of that. When we talk about the community of believers that are loving God and loving one another, that's what we're talking about. Christmas is upon us. And I love Christmas because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting life, eternal life. Friend, I hope this Christmas that you know Christ and that you've received the greatest gift of all, which is the Lord himself, and that you can say with confidence that you're saved, that your future is absolutely in his hands, and it's secure because of what God has done for us. And as a community, that we would be able to say with one another that we love God, but we love one another as well. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours. Visit www.hoffmantown.org and click on the Tell Us Your God Story link on the homepage to share yours with us. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and we hope you will join us next week.